Hello, fifth graders. Okay, so this is our read aloud. So normally this would be read to you when you walk into the door after recess. Um, you just had lunch, you just come in, calm down. I'd be sitting at the front of the room reading this book. Um, so imagine that's the case. Imagine you just had a great lunch, had fun playing with friends outside, um, and you're just sitting down to relax. So find a nice, comfortable spot. Um, just to kind of close your eyes for a bit, just to enjoy what's going on. Or maybe you're a doodler and maybe you want to grab a piece of paper and doodle. Um, feel free to do that. So our read aloud is Peter and the Star Catchers by Dave Barry and Ridley Pearson. So I am going to do a podcast for every two or three chapters. Um, and we are going to go on this magical adventure and see where it takes us. So... Get nice and comfortable. Chapter one, The Neverland. The tired old carriage pulled by two tired old horses rumbled onto the wharf, its creaky wheels bumpity bumping on the uneven planks, waking Peter from his restless slumber. The carriage interior, hot and stuffy, smelled of five smallish boys and one largest, largest man, none of whom was keen on bathing. Peter was the leader of the boys because he was the oldest. Or maybe he wasn't. Peter had no idea how old he really was. So he gave himself whatever age suited him. And it suited him to always be one year older than the oldest of his mates. If Peter was nine and a new boy came to St. Norbert's home for wayward boys, who said he was ten, why then, Peter would declare himself to be eleven. Also, he could spit the furthest. That made him the undisputed leader. As a leader, he made it his business to keep his eye on things in general, and he was not happy with the way things were shaping up today. The boys had been told that they were going away on a ship. As much as Peter didn't like where he had been living for the past seven years, the longer this carriage ride lasted, the scarier away sounded in his mind. They'd set out from St. Norbert's in the dark, but now Peter could see grayish daylight throughout the small, round coach window on his side. He looked out, squinting, and saw a dark shape looming by the wharf. It looked to Peter like a monster, with tall spines coming out of its back. Peter did not like the idea of walking into the belly of that monster. Is that it? he asked. The ship where we're going? He ducked then, avoiding the ham-like right fist of Edward Grimkin. He was always keenly aware of where his fist was. He'd been dodging it for seven years now. Grimkin, second-in-command at St. Norbert's home for wayward boys, was a man of numerous rules, many of them invented right on the spot, all of them enforced by means of a swift cuff to the ear. He paid little attention to whose ear his fist actually landed on. All the boys were rule-breakers, as far as Grumpkin was concerned. This time, the fist or clipped an ear belonging to a boy named Thomas, who had been slumped half-asleep in the carriage next to, th or next to the ducking Peter. "'Ow!' said Thomas." Did not end a sentence with a preposition, said Mr. Grumpkin. He was also the grammar teacher at St. Norbert's. But I didn't, ow, said Thomas, being cuffed a second time by Grumpkin, who had a strict rule against back talk. For a moment, the carriage was silent, except for the bumpity bump that Peter tried again. Sir, he said, is that our ship? He kept an eye on the fist, in case ship turned out to be a preposition. Peter was thinking about trying to run away, but he didn't know if that was possible, to run away from away. In any event, he didn't see much opportunity for escape. There were sailors and dockhands everywhere, carts and carriages near the back of the ship, 
fancily dressed people boarding via a ramp with a rope handrail. Toward the bow, or toward the bow, some pigs and cows were being led up a steep plank, followed by commoners dressed more like Peter and his friends. Grumpkin glanced out the round window and grinned, but not in a pleasant way. There wasn't a pleasant bone in his body. Yep, that's your ship, he said. The Neverland. What's Neverland? said a boy named Prentice, who was fairly new to the orphanage and thus did not see the fist hit until it hit his ear. Ow, he said. Don't you be asking stupid questions, said Grumpkin, who defined stupid questions as questions he could not answer. All you need to know is this ship will be your home for the next five weeks. Five weeks, sir, asked Peter. If you're lucky, said Grumpkin, leaning out the carriage, now to study the sky. If a storm... Or doesn't blow you halfway to hell, he smiled again. Or worse. Worse than hell, sir? inquired James. He means if the ship sinks, said Tubby Ted, who had a gift for looking on the dark side. And if we wind up in the sea swimming for our lives. But I can't swim, said James. None of us can swim. I can swim, Tubby Ted declared proudly. You can float, corrected Peter. Even Grumpkin cracked a smile at that, yellow-toothed stumps showing through chapped lips. Peter looked down the wharf and saw a much nicer-looking and bigger ship painted a shiny black. Its crew wore uniforms, unlike that of the Neverland. It, too, was being loaded and seemed ready to set sail. If it came down to choosing between the two ships, it don't matter, said Grumpkin brightly, his mood improving. Swim, sink, float. The, docks, the sharks will take care of you boys before you get a chance to drown. Sharks, said James. Big fish with lots of teeth, said Tubby Ted. Or they, eat, or they eat people. What if there's no people in the sea, said Thomas. What do sharks eat then? Whales, said Tubby Ted. But they like people better. And there's plenty of people in the sea. Ships is always going down. I heard of one. Ow! That's enough of your jabber, said Grumpkin, who had a rule against too much jabber. The carriage pulled to its stop beside the ship. As Grumpkin and the boys climbed out, a thick, bald man in a grimy officer's uniform thumped down the gangplank and approached the carriage. You, Grumpkin, he said. I am, said Grumpkin. And you are? Slank. William Slank. First officer. Second in command of the Neverland. The man had a, or made a face as if he'd just bitten into a rancid prune. It occurred to Peter that Slank didn't like being second in anything. These are orphans, then? They are, said Grumpkin, and you're welcome to take them. I don't care for boys, observed Slank. Then you definitely not care for these, said Grumpkin. We've had boys on board before, said Slank. They was always stirring up the rats. The boys glanced at one another. Rats? The thing to do, said Grumpkin, is keep them dis disciplined. To illustrate, he shot his fist sideways, not looking where it was going. It struck P Prentice, who, being fairly new, had not yet learned that it was unwise to stand immediately to Grumpkin's right. Ow, said Prentice. Sir, said James to Slank, there's rats on the ship? Don't you be playing with the rats, said Slank, cupping James on the ear. They make a nasty treat when the food runs out. The food runs out? asked Tubby Ted, suddenly reluctant to take another step. When? Slank slapped him across the ear and said, After we eat you. Grumpkin nodding, nodded approvingly, confident now that he was leaving the boys in good hands. Peter scanned the area for a place to run 
and hide. He saw a supply store offering pulleys and hemp rope. Some taverns, the salty dog, the mermaid song, mermaids. Peter wondered, but everywhere he looked, there were sailors and dock workers, rough men with rough hands. He wouldn't get ten paces before one of them would collar him if Slank didn't collar him first. I'll be greeting, or I'll be getting back to St. Norbert's, Grumpkin said. He turned toward the coach, paused for a moment, then turned back and said, You boys better watch out for yourselves. In seven years, that was the nicest thing Peter had ever heard Grumpkin say. All right, said Slank as Grumpkin walked back to the coach. You boys got on board. We're waiting for one more piece of cargo. Then we cast off. Peter eyed the nicer ship down the wharf. Some soldiers were approaching it, carrying rifles with bayonets. The soldiers wore crisp blue uniforms and shiny black boots. They walked on either side of a horse-drawn cart that carried a single trunk, black, done all around with chains and padlocks. The boys hesitated taking their first good look at the Neverland. It wasn't as big as they'd expected, and it looked old and poorly kept. Frayed ropes, peeling paint, barnacles, and green slime climbing the hole from the waterline. Get a move on, said Slank. I can't swim, whispered James. We'll be all right, said Peter. It can't be worse than St. Norbert's. Yes, it can, and Tubby, or said Tubby Ted. The food runs out. Sharks, Thomas reminded them. Rats. We'll all be all right, repeated Peter, and he started up the gangplank. Being the leader, but still thinking about finding a way to escape before the ship set sail.